Ladies and amazing people, Andy here. I went from depressed and suicidal to living a life of abundance and joy. If I can do it, you sure as hell can too. So an interesting story from my coaching program. We have a woman in the coaching program and she's working on various things, but one of them is improving her or building out her sex and dating life. And she matched with this guy and they had a couple of conversations and basically she sent him a message saying, hey, you know, look, appreciate all of this, but I'm just not interested. Hope you find what you're looking for. So she basically politely turned him down and she thought that was kind of the end of it. And she went on to talk to other people, blah, blah, blah. But this guy reached out to her like a week later and he sent her this song that he had recorded for her. And it was it was really badly sung. Guy's not a good singer, but we're not here to criticize someone else for their singing abilities or lack thereof. But the point is, he basically reached out to her after she had already said, no, I'm not interested, but thank you. And, you know, I hope you find what you're looking for with a song that he had poorly recorded for her, basically essentially begging her to give him a chance and to go on a a date with him, even though, again, she had already very politely said, no, thank you. And in no uncertain terms, very, very clearly saying, I am not interested. And so we all had a big conversation about it on one of the coaching calls. And obviously what we ended up saying to her is like, that's okay. Just, you know, maybe send him either send him another message saying, like I said, I'm not interested or just block him and, you know, move on. But I wanted to have a bit of a discussion. We ended up having a bit of a discussion about it in the coaching group. And I wanted to talk about it here with all of you and talk about the concept that if somebody turns you down, there are other human beings out there who will be a better match for you. And people often get themselves all twisted up and hurt because they're pursuing someone who has made it abundantly clear that they're not interested, but the person almost can't take no for an answer, or they think that persistence is going to be the answer. It's a form of something that is called one-itis, which is basically where you're obsessed with one person, and you think, but this could be my soulmate, or this could be my perfect match. And you almost don't understand that you're allowed to go and talk to other people. There are other people out there who will be a better match for you. And I think the biggest part or or the biggest contributor to this concept called one-itis or not taking no for an answer or believing that you you should just persevere with one person who's already very clearly said no to you, I think the biggest contributor to this is like Hollywood and movies and TV shows and all of this where and even books and stuff where there's this almost like fetishization of the man who just keeps trying, even after she literally says, I'm not interested, goodbye. And so I understand why guys do chase a woman who said no, or do become, and I don't ever use this word, but people will use the word like a simp, you know, where you don't take no for an answer, or you think that this person who has no interest in you, and in this case, you know, my coaching client literally said, goodbye, like, I'm not interested, thank you, goodbye, I hope you find what you're looking for. She couldn't have made it any more clear. I don't know what more she could have possibly said. But I see guys, you know, especially on the internet and stuff like that, we see this a lot, right, where guys will just think that they have a chance with someone who either has made it abundantly clear they're not into them, or just has given them no indication that they are, 
you know, again, the word that people use for that is simp, but I don't think simp is the kindest thing to call someone. So I don't use that word, but yeah, it happens a lot, doesn't it? You'll see people that just, and maybe some of you listening might've been in this position. I definitely have in the past, like back in the early days of all of this stuff. Yeah. I tried really hard with some girls that just weren't into me, especially in my first relationship. You know, when I was like 19, she really wasn't that into me and I wasn't that into her, but I was just so afraid that I had no other options in the world that I just clung on desperately and tightly and I was so fucking needy and I just thought if I just basically beg her to take pity on me and be in a relationship with me then she will and yeah she ended up being in a relationship with me we were together for about five years but that was like five years of depression that was by the way when I was depressed and suicidal and she didn't want to be there I didn't want to be there but like I was just so afraid of being alone and the whole relationship was pain and suffering because I knew she didn't want to be there. I knew that I had talked her into it and I secretly was afraid that if I didn't keep manipulating her or begging her or just like, please love me, please stay with me, that she would wise up one day and leave. And yeah, that's what ended up happening. And so this idea of you know, the one and the soulmate. And even if they turn you down, you have to just keep being persistent. I think it just leads to a lot of unhappy men and unhappy women, right? Like people who can't take no for an answer because they believe that this is my one shot at a relationship. This is my one shot at love or one shot at happiness. So, you know, to bring it back to the example of this particular guy who recorded this song for my coaching client, you know, at the end of the day, I do respect his attempt. You know, I'm not going to shit on the guy. I respect that he tried, you know, even if it doesn't pan out. But as I said to my coaching client and the rest of the group, I said, to be honest, I think this is how most guys think, you know, if I just throw myself at a woman's feet, like hopefully it'll work out. Even if she's already said no, I just have to keep like, I never can pronounce this word, but like prothlicitized proselytize. I can never say it, but basically where you convert someone, usually it's used in like a religious context, but I like to use it outside of that, even though I can't fucking say it, (laughs) but proselytize, (laughs) proselytize her. In other words, convert her. I just got to like fucking convert her, you know, evangelize. That's another word that means the same thing. You know, where someone's like a hyper religious, like zealot, and they're just like ranting their religion at you, hoping that you'll get converted. A lot of men think like that. They're like, if I can just rant at this girl or this woman that I like her and just convince her that we're a good match, then she'll be converted and she'll believe me and she'll come to see that, yeah, we're a great match for each other. So many people think like that or they have that mindset where they're like, I just need to convince this person that we're a good match. And I've just found in my own life and all of my coaching clients and friends that, man, like life is so much happier if you don't try and fucking convert someone into liking you. Like what an insane notion. If you have to convert someone into liking you or evangelize them into liking you, is that really someone that you want to be with? Because that's not someone that you can trust. Not Not that they're untrustworthy, but you can't trust the fact that they're with you because they chose to be. You will always know that they're with you because you convince them to be. And so if the relationship ever has a moment where maybe they're a little bit tired or they're grumpy or you guys aren't super close, you will immediately start freaking out and go, oh, fuck, something's wrong. I have to convince them to stay. And it's always going to require effort and upkeep and force, you know, using force on yourself and force on them. 
it's going to require all of this effort to get them to stay. And at the end of the day, they could always just turn around and say, no, I'm done. Goodbye. And there's nothing you can do. And so it's this clinginess or this desperation or this neediness, this attachment that is there from the very beginning. If you have to convert someone to be with you, it's far easier in life to go out and improve yourself, obviously, and then find, or as you're improving yourself, find the people that want to spend time with you, whether that's friends, whether that's relationships, whether that's sex, whether that's job, whether that's client, it doesn't matter, but find the people that want to be around you or want what you're offering and you want what they're offering. In other words, find the people where you're actually a good match and you think you can make each other's lives better rather than the person who literally says no to you or shows you very little interest or makes it feel like you have to try your absolute hardest to get them to notice you. You know, if somebody's hot and cold and sometimes they like you, sometimes they don't, or they're sending mixed messages, that is the message. The message is I'm not that into you. And time spent or time, it's not wasted, but time spent on someone that isn't that into you is time you could have spent going outside and talking to 10 more people. And one of those people would have said, hey, I really like you. And they make it easy for you. I've talked about this so many times. In the early days of all of this stuff, when I was first working on my sex and dating life, I did spend a lot of time with girls that weren't that into me. And I would have to try and convert them and use like pickup lines and pickup tactics and, you know, last minute resistance and if, you know, have good text game and make sure my game is on point and I know what to say and all of this kind of bullshit. And if you like that stuff, great, have fun with it. But I, I didn't like that stuff. I thought that I had to do that stuff. I thought that was the only way to get a woman was by basically converting her or making her like me, by proving my worthiness to her or some shit, by jumping through all these arbitrary hoops that I made up for myself. And I guess you could say some of the women wanted me to jump through hoops too, but I was this dancing fucking puppet or this dancing monkey. And that all changed with one sweet, innocent, I mean, she wasn't innocent, some sweet, beautiful little Chinese girl that I met, she was this 19 year old and I approached her on the street. I saw her, I hesitated. I was so fucking nervous because I wasn't very good at talking to women or any of that shit at that point. But, you know, I followed her for, I followed her. I walked near her for about 200 meters or so. And I finally worked up the courage and I was just like, yo, hi, you're really cute. And she was so unbelievably happy from the moment that I talked to her. And I was like, holy shit, this is going really well. And we walked for a couple of blocks and then we just kind of ended up at her apartment and I, she was like, oh, this is my apartment. I was like, oh, okay. Um, can I get your number? Like I had, I, I like talking to you. Do you want to grab a coffee or a drink? And she's like, I'd love, yes, please. I'd love that. And she had just moved to Australia and she was a university student and we ended up going on a date and then we went on a second date. I invited her back to my place, but she said no, because it was late. It was like 11 p.m. at night and we would have had to catch the train, blah, blah, blah. But the third time we ended up meeting, we were back at my place and we were all alone. And at this point, I was so used to putting in all this effort to make girls like me. And literally every time before that, because I just had been going on dates with people that weren't that into me, I'd had to put in all this effort to like seduce them and like I had to have good fucking game and all of this bullshit, right? But this girl was the first girl that we were sitting there and we had half a glass of wine each and we're just sitting there 
and we were sitting out on my balcony and it was kind of cold. She was wearing a sweater. I was wearing a sweater and we were just sitting there looking at the stars and I kind of just, after like an hour, I'd finally worked up the courage and I was like, fuck it. I guess I make a move now, but she's probably going to like make me fucking earn it and be like, no, don't move too fast. Like all the other girls and blah, blah, blah. And I was so used to playing these fucking games, right? And making people like me. But I leaned over and I kissed her and she moaned as soon as I kissed her and everything changed in that moment. We started making out. I put my hand on her body and everywhere I touched, she would moan. I was so fucking terrified, but I finally touched her boobs over her sweater and she moaned even harder. And I was like, holy shit, what the fuck is this? And before I know it, I'm taking her sweater off and she's moaning more. And then she's taking my shirt off and then I'm playing with her boobs. She had the biggest fucking boobs. She was this tiny little Chinese girl. And she had the biggest tits ever. I don't even understand because most Asian girls have really small boobs. And she was like really thin and petite too. She was tiny, but with like giant fucking boobs, like double D's or some shit, maybe even bigger than that. It was incredible. And I was playing with her boobs. I'm sucking her boobs. She's moaning. She's going crazy. Before I know it, my hand is down her pants and she's dripping wet. You know, she's on top of me. We're making out. We're having sex. And We just had the wildest, craziest sex, and she made it so unbelievably easy for me. She was so clearly into me, and I remember after sex, we were laying there, and I just was looking at her, and I was like, damn, I have so much respect for this woman. She didn't, not that I disrespected or didn't respect women who made it harder, but, like, there was just something in me that was like, wow, she's so free. Like, she just liked me, and I liked her. And we just had sex and I I fucking love that about her. And looking back on it now, part of the reason why was because she liked me and I liked her. And so I had found the person or one of the people that liked me, where I didn't have to convince her with my personality. I didn't have to be special. I didn't have to do anything crazy. She just liked me and I liked her. And meeting that person, that changed everything. From that moment forward, literally that was like the turning point in my sex and dating life. Because before that, I had wasted, and it wasn't a waste, but it felt like a waste at the time. I had wasted so much time with people that just weren't that into me. You know, on dating apps, girls that would give me like a one word answer to everything that I said. Or I'd be like, you know, do you want to meet up for a coffee on Friday? And they'd be like, uh, maybe. And I'd be like, oh, okay, well, like, what about Saturday? And I just, like, tried so hard with girls that were just not that into me and not that excited, and I would convince them to meet me. Because if you try hard enough, you can convince some people to meet you, even if they're not that into you. But we would meet up, and the date would just be mediocre because she wasn't that fucking into me. And I would have to be funny and charming, and I would have to be just charismatic, and I'd have to be perfect, and I would literally rehearse what to say before I went on the date, and I would come up with all these lines that I was going to say and topics to talk about and smooth moves, and I would come up with like a romantic place to have the date and something romantic that we would do on the date. I tried so fucking hard. And at first that stuff was fun. I genuinely liked trying. I think a lot of guys who are like newbies or beginners genuinely enjoy like game and pickup lines and all of that and being romantic and all of that shit. But it can quickly become tiring when you put in all that effort and you still don't get to sex. Like sometimes you will have sex, but a lot of the time, even with all that effort, because she's not into you, it just doesn't pan out. You just don't end up having sex or you have sex, but it's mediocre. You have sex and you, she's not that open because she's not that fucking into you. And so even if you convince her to have sex, it's very rarely open, amazing, 
passionate, crazy, kinky, filthy, amazing sex. It's usually sex full of defensiveness and, you know, her hesitating and her putting up resistance and her saying, oh, I don't know if I want to do that tonight. And you're like, oh, okay, like, how can I convince you? And it's just this fucking thing where you have to keep convincing the other person to spend time with you. Like, you have to earn their time or earn their affections. But this Chinese girl that I'm talking about, that was such a beautiful turning point for me because she just liked me. And I could text her afterwards and and throughout the week and say, hey, would you like to meet up on Friday? And she'd be like, yes. And I'd be like, wow, why is this so easy? And we'd meet up and I'd be like, oh, maybe she's going to not be that into me now, you know, like maybe she'll lose interest. And nope, she never lost interest. And we would meet up and we'd have crazy passionate sex. We would go on adventures. We went on a couple of road trips together. We ended up seeing each other for over a year. And she changed everything for me especially in that very first moment when we first had sex. And from that moment onwards, I only screened for people that were very into me. And I wrote an article on my blog, on my website, on killyourinnerloser.com, where I talked about all the things that I started screening for and all the things that I screen for now, like what I screen out or the women that I screen out and don't talk to. And the article is called Time Wasters, Red Flags to Look Out For. And basically, most of the stuff that I have in there is things like, you know, if you're asking a question on a dating app, or if you talk to a woman in person, and all of her answers are just like one word answers, you know, you're like, what did you get up to on the weekend? And she's like, not much. And you're like, oh, okay. Do you have any plans for this week? Not really. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, what are your hobbies? I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, well, my hobbies are like tennis, and I like photography and this. And she's like, cool. Like, I used to fucking keep trying with those women. But as soon as I talked to and had sex with this Chinese woman, after that point, if any girl was giving me a one-word answer, I would be like, goodbye. Like, obviously, not the first time she gives me a one-word answer. But if I try maybe like three times, I ask three separate questions in the conversation. And each time she gives me a one-word answer, goodbye. Like, I'm done at that point. That's not someone that's that excited to talk to me, whether or not they realize it or not. I don't care if they know it or not, but I can tell that they're not that into me. Cool. I'm going to go talk to someone who's more excited and will give me better answers. Other things I screen at is if she says the word like maybe. So if I say, you know, we've been talking for a little bit. Hey, this is cool. Like, let's grab a drink or a coffee and get to know each other. If she's like, maybe, or I want to just keep talking for a little bit longer before I give out my phone number. I'm like, no, goodbye. Like, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone that's excited to meet me, that's passionate to meet me. And if that's not you, beautiful. I fucking love that. I want you to go and find the person that you're excited to meet. I don't want you to keep talking to me so that I can hopefully earn the right to have a date with you. You're clearly not excited to meet me. Wouldn't it be a kindness to you and definitely a kindness to myself for us to not keep talking. It wouldn't be kind for me to try and convince you to talk to me by talking to you for way longer. And if you need longer to talk to someone, beautiful. But that just isn't what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone who's quite excited to meet me and wants to go on a date with me and see what happens after that. Something else that I screen at is people that just seem too busy to meet. Like dating, or at least meeting me, isn't their highest priority. You know, like I might say, hey, let's meet at Friday, you know, how's 5 p.m.? Oh, I'm busy. Okay, cool. Like, how about Saturday? I'm free in the morning. I can make some time in the evening. How does that work for you? Oh, I've got plans. Okay, cool. Like, what about Sunday then? Does Sunday work? You got any free time on Sunday? 
nah, I'm pretty busy on Sunday. I don't keep talking to that person. Or if I do, I will say something like, hey, it seems like you're super busy. Let me know when you're free. If not, that's all good. Like no pressure. And sometimes every now and then they will say, well, actually I'm free on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Cool. Okay. That's someone that wants to meet me and is putting in effort and is relatively excited to meet me. Cool. I'll meet you. But if the person is just like, sure, I'll let you know. Cool. No, I I don't keep trying. Why would I keep trying? The person isn't excited to meet me or they're busy or dating just isn't their top priority, which is beautiful. That's wonderful. But that's not the person that I'm going to keep trying with. And so I have all of these things that I screen for. And basically everything I'm screening for is somebody that actually wants to meet me because I want to meet them. I hold myself to that same standard. I don't meet someone that I'm not excited to meet. You know, if I'm looking at a woman's dating profile or if there's a woman on the street that I'm kind of iffy about talking to, I just won't talk to them. I just won't match with them. I won't try because I'm not that into them. I'm not that excited and it wouldn't necessarily be a kindness to them to pursue it any further. Now, caveat there, sometimes you're a little bit excited, but maybe you're nervous or maybe you can't quite tell from their pictures, you know, how excited you are. Fine. There are times where it's like, all right, I'll keep an open mind and I'll go on a date. But I'm talking about when I'm not excited at all, when I'm like really not excited. I'm just like completely on the fence. At this point, I don't bother meeting them. And so all of this is ways that I've found to look for the people that I'm excited about and are excited about me. And you don't have to be 100% perfectly crazy, head over heels excited before you've really met someone or had a couple of dates with them. But at least that little spark of excitement of like, oh, I'm excited to go on a date with this person or a second date with this person and get to know them a little bit and see if I like them. That's what I'm looking for, as opposed to the people where it seems like they're just not that into me. And this can be something that can take you a little bit of time to recognize. So you don't have to be perfect with this, you know, like not everyone is good. I wasn't at the start at telling if someone is into them. But a big part of this is just experience and practice and doing it a few times and meeting a few people that are really into you so that you get that excited butterflies in your stomach feeling. And you're like, oh, fuck, this is what it feels like to talk to or go on a date with someone who's excited holy shit, now I know what to look for. Now I know what it looks, what excitement looks like. Now I'm going to screen for this. And so it's almost like you need to meet one person who's really into you to feel that feeling. And then you know what to look for. And the only way that's going to happen is if you don't spend time with someone who's made it abundantly clear that they're not interested. And the best way of all to do that is to not go out with someone or keep pursuing someone who literally says, I'm not interested or no or I'm not available, or I have a boyfriend. That's why the weirdest thing to me, okay, it's not weird, I understand why, but it's something that I just, I'm not interested in, is pursuing someone who's literally said, I have a boyfriend. You know, I hit on a girl and she says, oh, that's sweet, but I have a boyfriend. To me, that's game over for me. At that point, I'm like, cool, I'm done. Like, why would I pursue you? You've literally said, I'm not interested. I have a boyfriend. And Yes, I realize there are lots of people who go, all right, challenge accepted. But to me, that's just, it's not how I want to spend my energy or my time. I want to go out and find the people who don't have a boyfriend or who are really excited to meet me and I'll spend my time with them because they make it easier. The sex is better. The intimacy is more well intimate. The affection's better. The time spent together is more effortless and more enjoyable rather than feeling like an uphill battle just to get them to come out on a date with me. 
And so let's start to wrap up and bring it back to this example of my female coaching client and this guy who sent her or made her a song after she had already said, no, thank you. Thank you for your time. It was nice to meet you. I hope you find what you're looking for. Goodbye. And I said to her, you know, this is how a lot of guys think, you know, if I just throw myself at a woman's feet, hopefully it'll work out. Even if she's already said no, it's sort of like a lack of self-esteem or a lack of self-love, a lack of self-respect, I guess you could say. And really more than anything, a lack of other options. And it's not that he doesn't have options. He does. It's thinking you don't have any options. It's thinking that this woman is somehow special. And my female coaching client would be the first person to put her hand up and say, I'm not fucking special. (laughs) Like, I think I have a lot to offer. And my God, she does. This woman is an absolute legend. She's like a business. She owns multiple businesses. She has done amazing things in her life. She's, she's really such an incredible human being. She's, she's fucking amazing. She's honestly like one of the most amazing clients I've ever had. I'll see if she wants to come on the podcast or the the YouTube channel at some point, but she has a lot to offer, but she'd be the first person to say, yo, I'm not that special. Like don't record me a song, go talk to somebody else, go find another woman who's into you, go find a woman who will like this song and respect that you sung her this song, even though it's poorly sung. That doesn't matter. Go find the girl who thinks this is cute. Not the one who already said no to you and now you've recorded this song and she just feels like, well, I appreciate that, but I, why? I don't want that. I said no. And so I said to her and I said to the rest of the group, man, this is why like self-improvement and the numbers game are so revolutionary for, for most men, for women too, obviously. Women improve themselves and play the numbers game. You know, not every guy is going to like you as a woman, but especially for men, like, because most men don't realize they have other options. You know, the first woman that even gives them a little bit of attention, how many men lock down the very first woman that gives them any kind of attention? Lots of you might be feeling like that. I've had so many people in the audience, when I say to them, what's your goal? They're like, I just want to get a girlfriend. And I'm like, whoa, like, that's wonderful. But isn't your job, it, like, isn't the goal to get, to, to find a woman that's a great match for you? Like, you're saying, I want a girlfriend. Does that mean it doesn't matter who the girlfriend is? She doesn't have to be quality, like, whatever quality means to you. It doesn't have to be someone that you connect with or click with. You just want a girlfriend. It's like you're just hiring for a job position, and you want to fill that position with literally the first candidate that applies. And lots of men do think like that because... You know, it's a scarcity. I used to think like that. My very first two relationships, which lasted for six years and then four years consecutive, like, like, uh, respectively, they were both so deeply unhappy relationships. There was like abuse in there. There was cheating. You know, I cheated and the second girlfriend was, she was doing her best, but she'd been brought up in a household of violence. And so she kind of played out those same violent tendencies. She was doing her best, but you know, those first two relationships were not healthy. They were not happy. I wasn't happy. Neither of the two girls were happy. Infidelity on my side and violence on one of theirs. And it was because I was believing the stories that there was no other woman who would ever get with me. And I was such a piece of shit that why would any woman ever like me? Why would I ever have anything to offer, you know, especially with the cheating? And I've talked about that many times. I cheated with women that I was very much not attracted to. You know, I paid for sex sometimes, morbidly obese women that I just had no attraction to. 
and they were very sad and depressed and sometimes had drug addictions and all sorts of stuff. It was literally just like the only people that I could, or that I felt like could ever be interested in a piece of shit like me. That's how I felt back then. And I was just so not happy because I was with these, I was in this, these relationships with these two women and it just wasn't good for me and wasn't good for them. But I was convinced that no other woman would like me. I had like the ultimate scarcity mindset. And so I think self-improvement and the numbers game is just so amazing for men to show them like, look, you have other options. You don't have to settle with the first woman that pays you any attention. That's not a good match for you that you don't really care about. You're just terrified of being alone. And that's why I, Andy, was in my first two relationships. I was just terrified of being alone. I didn't actually care about the women. I mean, that's pretty obvious from the fact that I cheated, right? But like, I cared about them, but like, not really, if you get what I mean. Not as deeply as I care about Imogen, for example. The concept of cheating on, I mean, first of all, I'd never cheat on Imogen because we just date girls together, right? So it's more ethical and, and honest now, but yeah, I can't even imagine like hurting Imogen. Like, why would I? I know I have other options. I don't need her. I don't tell myself the lie that I need her. And so instead I can just sit there and value her. I can make a logical, rational decision as to whether or not we build a relationship together. You know, we talked about it for like two months or so. We'd been together for like, I don't know, like nine months or something at that point. We'd been like dating casually. And we had like a conversation over like a two month period of like, do we want to build something? Do we like, what would that look like? What would a relationship look like? Are we talking about a relationship? Do we want to build a relationship? You know, it was a very rational thought out decision. And obviously there was emotions and love and all of that involved, but it was very logical. It's like, yeah, I think you can make my life better. I think I can make your life better. My life is already amazing as it is. Your life is already amazing as it is. So we don't tell each other the, the lie that we need each other or that we're soulmates or some bullshit like that. But I think I have a lot to give you. I think you have a lot to give me. Yeah, let's build something and see what happens. You know, no expectations. We don't have to be together forever or any of that nonsense. But let's just see if we make each other happier and keep doing that. And as long as that's true, as long as we're continuing to make each other happier, we'll keep dating. And if that ever isn't the case, we'll improve it, we'll fix it. And ultimately, if we need to, we'll go separate ways. And that's how Imogen and I have built this beautiful relationship over the last, it's almost six years now, it's five and a half years now. It's because we both knew that we had other options, you know, we had self-improvement and the numbers game. I think these are such radical, amazing, beautiful tools for men and women, but men especially, because it's showing you, you can improve yourself so that you have more options and then you can go and talk to more women. So you don't get hung up on one woman in particular who's not into you and already said no to you. Because it can be quite painful. If you think about this guy who recorded this song for my female coaching client, you know, I don't know, but I'm going to guess it might be a little bit painful thinking that you need one particular woman to the point where you make a song for her after she has said no, right? Like a week after she said no, that means you probably sat there for a week thinking about her. It means you probably realized after a week that you don't feel like you have any other options at this point in time. And maybe he doesn't have any other options. I mean, there's always options. You can go out and talk to every woman on the street. So he has like 4 billion options in the entire world. So there's options, but he might not feel like he has immediate options. He might not know that he can go outside and talk to all the women outside, right? He might just be on this dating app with no matches going, oh shit, I have no options. So fair enough. He might think he has no options, but 
Now imagine that's kind of painful, you know what I mean? Like thinking, fuck, I have to record a song for her. She turned me down a week ago, politely, but in no uncertain terms. I'm literally not interested. No, it was nice to meet you. I hope you find what you're looking for. You can't get more clear than that. That's not vague. That's not wishy-washy. She's, this woman is someone that is incredibly direct in a very kind, polite way, but she doesn't make people fucking guess what she might be thinking. She's the opposite of that. She's like, she's going to tell you how it is. And so she made it abundantly clear. And I imagine it's probably a little bit painful for this guy to think, oh, fuck, I still have to keep trying, you know, especially after a week. But imagine if this guy knew, oh, wait, I'm allowed to just go ask another woman instead. Like, this isn't my only option. This isn't my one chance. I can just go talk to more women. Imagine how freeing that would be for this guy. Imagine how much kinder that would be for him and how much kinder it would be for the women that he interacts with. He's not unkind for sending her a song, obviously. You know, lots of people would say that that's very sweet and I can see the sweetness in it. I think it is sweet, but I also think it's misguided. I think it's just It's missing the point or it's not quite realizing the point of there are other women out there and one of them will like me and I won't have to record her a song or more to the point if I do record her a song she'll be like oh my god this is so sweet rather than I already said no to you why are you recording me a song and so if you see any of yourself in this guy which like I said this guy is basically me from like 15 years ago. This is exactly how I used to think and feel. I used to think there's no other women for me on the entire planet. So I have to put up with this, you know, relationship that isn't making me happy because what other choice do I have? If you see yourself in that, if you feel a little bit like, holy shit, man, sometimes I feel like I have no options or maybe you're in a relationship right now or thinking of one and you're like, I don't really know if I like this person. You know, maybe you're a woman listening and you're with someone or you're thinking about building something with someone. You're like, I don't think I like this person. I think I'm just afraid of being alone. A really good book that helps with this. It is literally for this purpose is Byron Katie's book called I Need Your Love. Is that true? Again, the book is called I Need Your Love. Is that true? It is literally a book for people who have one-itis or who think they need somebody else to be happy, or maybe you've settled into a relationship that you're not actually happy with and you don't feel like you're a good match, but you're terrified of being alone. This book is literally how to be okay with being you, how to love yourself and not feel like you have to have someone else who completes you. You know, you hear people say all of these kind of wild fucking things and they come from movies and books and TV shows. But how many people say like, you're my soulmate, you're the one, you're my other half, you're my better half. You know, you might hear guys say, happy wife, happy life. And it's like, what the fuck? How about happy life, happy life? Make your life happy and then it's happy. You don't need the other fucking person to be happy. And if you rely on the other person being happy as your barometer or your litmus test for whether or not you can be happy, holy fuck, what are you going to do when they're tired? What do you do if they're grumpy? What do you do if they had a bad week at work? What do you do if they get cancer? What do you do if they're waking up and they're emotional and moody and they're not happy? Do you just go, holy shit, my life is falling apart because my partner isn't happy? And yes, that is how a lot of people, maybe most people, I honestly think it's more than 50% of people 
probably if I have to guess like how 95% of people think about relationships. They're like, the other person is going to complete me. I need the other person to be happy. I need the other person to do what I want. I need the other person to agree with me. I need the other person to do this and do that and do this and do that. I need them to be emotionally happy. If they're not happy, I'm not happy. I think that's how like 95% of people see relationships. But if you can step back from that and put yourself first, and that doesn't mean neglecting the other person. That's not what I'm saying but putting your happiness first, then you have a lot left to give to them. Like when you're happy with your life, when you're happy with yourself, when you like yourself, when you feel like your life is great, when you're feeling love or giving yourself love, rather than expecting it to come from the other person, if you just love your life or love yourself or love your friends, if you have love inside you and you foster that and keep growing that and building that love for yourself and for everyone around you, in other words, if you set a light that flame of internal love, then you have so much more left to give to the other person. You're feeling good in yourself. You're feeling love in yourself. And then you can give that to your partner or give that to your friends or give that to no one. Just keep it for yourself and love yourself. Like you don't need the other person to complete you. And the idea that any other human being on the planet could complete you is just such a folly because they can't. There's a really good Buddhist saying that I love, which is eventually everybody lets you down. And that might sound really nihilistic and depressing, but no, there's freedom in that. Eventually, everybody else in the entire world is going to do something that you didn't want them to do or that you didn't expect them to do, or they're going to be grumpy, or maybe you're going to feel like you need them. You know, I really need a hug from you today, honey. I had a hard day at work. There is going to be a day when she's like, I can't because I had a bad day at work and I want a hug. And I don't feel like I can give you a hug or I'm away with my friends or I'm busy or I'm sick or I have cancer or the kids need me or my boss wants me to stay late at work. There's going to be a time, I'm telling you, from someone who has been in many relationships and particularly my relationship with Imogen, which is a very happy, beautiful, fulfilling relationship. And it is those things because we have built it, not because we just expected it to be like that by default, because that isn't how relationships work. They are built, they are nurtured, they are loved, and then they flourish under the right conditions. The relationship with Imogen, I've come to see that there's always going to be times where she can't be there for me and I can't be there for her. It just isn't how human beings work. We don't have infinite patience and we definitely don't have infinite time and we definitely don't have infinite energy. Your partner or someone that you're dating casually, they are going to come home from work one day and they're going to have nothing in the tank. They're going to be running on empty, you know, running on fumes as the saying goes. They're going to have nothing to give you. And on that day, if you need them or if you believe that that person will complete you, Holy fuck, you're going to be intro- you're going to be rudely awakened. You're going to be in for a- I mean it's going to be beautifully awakened. You're going to be in for a fucking wake up call cuz they're going to say to you, "I'm tired. I can't give you a fucking hug today." And then you're going to have a choice in that moment. You can get angry and upset and try and manipulate them and say, "But think about all the times I was there from you for you," which is what most people do in relationships, right? They keep score and they go, "Well, I'm always there for you," blah blah blah, like like it's a fucking tally that you're keeping of all the times you did something nice for them. And then they get defensive and they say, "Well, I do things for you all the time and you never appreciate it," blah blah blah, and it turns into a big thing. Or your other option is in that moment to go, 
you know what, I'm going to open up or I'm going to buy this fucking book. I need your love. Is that true? Or any of Andy's, you know, my video course covers this topic. The play to win video course talks about all of this kind of shit. There's a million books on healthy relationship, you know, attachments, I guess you would say, or non-attachment. Buddhism talks about this. Anyway, the point is in that moment, you might have that choice. You might choose to make that choice and say, okay, my partner can't be here for me right now. They're tired. They're grumpy. They just don't have anything to give. Can I be here for myself? Can I give myself the thing that I'm expecting them to give me? Can I do something nice for myself? Can I give myself a hug? Can I go for a walk? Can I hang out with my friends? Can I go do a hobby? Can I spend time with the people I care about? Can I watch a funny movie? Can I watch a fucking cat video or cat videos on YouTube? Can I do something to entertain myself? Can I do something to make myself feel good? And then you might find, holy shit, the most beautiful relationship that I have is with myself and I don't need the other person to complete me. So all of this stuff, you know, this guy recording this song for my female coaching client who already said no to him and all of the times that you might see a guy, you know, just throwing himself at the foot of a woman and begging and women do it too. Lots of women throw themselves at the feet of men, like both genders do this. Every time that that happens, it's because they're believing the story that I need this person or that I cannot be happy without this person, or that I need this person in order to be happier or happy in general. And when you remove that story, in other words, when you can be okay with just being you and anybody else is a bonus to that, man, you never throw yourself at the feet of anyone ever again. You might still do romantic gestures. I'm romantic with Imogen all the time. I'm sometimes romantic with girls that we date if we've been dating them for long enough. I'm very sweet. I'm very caring. I'm all of those things. But I don't need the other person to give me a certain reaction. I don't need anything from them. I don't need anything from Imogen. She can leave me tomorrow and I will be happy for her if that's what she honestly wants. I just want her to do whatever she wants to do. That's all I ask of her. And I don't even ask that of her. She doesn't even have to do what she doesn't. I literally don't care what she does. She can do anything and that's beautiful. She could cheat on me tomorrow, and that's beautiful. She could slap me in the face tomorrow, and that's beautiful. Now, I might make a decision based on that. If she slaps me tomorrow, I'll probably first say, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) And then if she continues to slap me, I will remove myself from the situation and probably call her a fucking doctor or a psych ward or something, and maybe I'll break up with her. But I just want her to do whatever the fuck she wants to do. And when you can be in that beautiful position where you don't need anything from anyone, you know, I don't need anything from you listening right now. I don't need you to change your life. I don't need you to fix yourself. I don't think you're broken anyway, but people often talk like that. I don't need you to continue to listen to my content. I don't need you to sign up for my coaching. I would love it if you did. Holy crap, I would have so much gratitude and love towards you if you did. But if you don't, I will love you just the same. I don't need you to change. I don't need anything from you. I don't need anything. And when you can be in that beautiful position of non-neediness or non-attachment or outcome independence or I don't give a fuck attitude, and it isn't so much I don't give a fuck, it's more just I'm okay with whatever happens. I still give a fuck deeply about my life. I still care passionately about the things that I'm passionate about. I give very much of a fuck. In fact, I'd say I give more of a fuck now that I'm non-attached and non-needy than I ever did when I was needy. I care way more. I'm way more present and attached. Sorry, not attached. I'm way more present and passionate. That would be a better way of phrasing that. 
but I'm not hung up on the outcome. I don't need anything to be happy. I can be happy if I get what I want and I can be happy if I don't get what I want. It is all beautiful. And when you're in that position, man, relationships just fucking flourish because people aren't defensive. They're not like, oh, this person's trying to get something from me. This person needs me. This person won't be okay if I'm not there for them. You know, Imogen can fully relax and do whatever she wants to do, knowing that I'm not going to sit there and be disappointed if she doesn't spend an evening with me or sad if, I don't know, she ultimately decides she wants to move on and be with someone else. She doesn't have to stress about any of that shit. And then she can fucking relax and just enjoy being with me. And again, you actually form stronger, deeper, more beautiful connections when you aren't needy with someone. It's the real magic of life. It's the real beauty of life. You don't end up sending songs to someone that said, no, I'm not interested. So again, if you want more help with any of this, the book, I Need Your Love, Is That True? is probably my go-to book for all of these topics. My video course, Play to Win Mindset, How I Built a Winner's Mindset. That's like another really, really, really good topic or, or good piece of content for this stuff. Good course for this. You can pay whatever you would like for that. You can donate $10, you can donate $1, whatever you want to donate, minimum is $1. So grab that video course that helps with all of this. If you want even more help, I've got coaching, got $200 once-off coaching calls or the big hardcore change your life coaching program. All of that is down below in the description. And shout out to any women listening or to the women listening. As I said, I have or I'm working with this lady who this podcast was obviously all about. So if you're a woman and you would like coaching with anything really, with this particular woman, we are improving her sex and dating life, getting her into BDSM. She's been having a lot of amazing, beautiful, crazy experiences. The biggest thing that we've helped her with, and this might be interesting for some of you guys listening as well, the mindset around coaching a woman has been like, there's been quite a few differences compared to like coaching guys who are most of my audience, but I've coached at this point four women, five women actually. And the mindset changes that are a little bit different is like, especially with sex, for most of the guys, if they're coming into it wanting to have a more fulfilling or more amazing sex life, generally speaking, it's like, all right, improve yourself and then go talk to more women. That's kind of like the base, you know, default advice and then within that is like how to love yourself how to be kind to the other people how to give value like all sorts of different mindset stuff as well right but for the most part it's improve yourself and go talk to more women but with women it's way different it's like improve yourself yes obviously that's like the biggest thing that i always focus on but for women it's more like well look you're you already have like thousands of matches if you go on dating apps and so for you it's like how do we fucking screen like how do we figure out how do we get over that analysis paralysis, you know, that feeling of like, holy crap, there's like 2000 men that have like liked my profile. How the hell do I separate like who would be a good match versus who wouldn't? How do I come up with some sort of like screening tools, especially as most women, generally speaking, don't like to be the ones that take the lead. So how can I still be my normal feminine self? Like this woman in the coaching program is very submissive and feminine. How can I be those things? And Imogen has been those things too in our relationship. And if you don't know, Imogen screens for like she uses Hinge and Tinder and Bumble and stuff. And she screens for women for us to date and sleep with together. I do as well. But most of the women that we date comes from her profile. She does most of the heavy lifting just so that I don't have to bother doing that stuff. She's happy to do it. And so I had to teach Imogen as well, like how to screen how to be the one that takes the lead when you might not like that, that or not that you won't like it, but it doesn't come naturally to you as a woman usually. So 
yeah, it's been really fulfilling. And like I said, I've worked with a few other females before, female coaching clients before, and obviously Imogen and some of the girls that we've dated, I've mentored and stuff like that. But it's just such a different, it's like everything is flipped, you know, instead of like, how do I get more matches? It's like, I have too many matches. <laughs> how do I like actually sort through them? What criteria do I look for? What am I even looking for? And that's been a big revelation with this female coaching client. This woman is getting her to ask herself, what do I actually want? Because that was a question that she said she's never really asked herself before. And for lots of women, it's something they never fucking think to ask themselves with dating. They're just kind of like, well, I guess I have to just go with the flow and go on a date with anyone that looks like they might be a decent person or a decent match. And getting women to realize like, wait, you're allowed to screen. You're allowed to ask yourself, what do I actually want? That's been so cool to see this woman in particular and Imogen as well and many other women go from like, I don't know what I want to like, holy shit, I actually know what I want. And now I'm starting to build the tools and learn the knowledge and the techniques of how to actually go for what I want and still do that in a feminine way that fits with who I am as a person and what I enjoy. So all of this is to say it's been amazing working with her and, you know, the other women that I've worked with in the past. If you're a woman and you would like coaching, you're absolutely welcome to hit me up. I've worked with a few women on depression, one woman who was suicidal. I've worked with women on the sex life. I've worked with a woman on her relationship. She and her partner had been together for 10 years and I did coaching with her and Imogen coached them as well. Like Imogen and I coached both of them together, like couples counseling, which was really fucking fun. So I've also had women lose weight. So whatever it is that you want to work on, if you're a woman, we would love to have you in the coaching program. Don't think that it's like a hyper-masculine coaching pro. It's really not. Like most of the guys in there are, are men, but everyone is like so unbelievably loving and open and welcoming. Like I screen for that. Obviously, if you listen to my content, you know that over the last like couple of years, I've become more peaceful and chill and loving and all of that and a lot less like, hyper-masculine and hyper-macho, which I did used to be in the early couple of years of my content for sure. But you'd be very welcome in the coaching program if you're a woman. And if you're a guy, you're obviously very welcome too. And if you're not a woman and you're not a guy, maybe you're a fucking teddy bear. Maybe you're a chair. Maybe you're an attack helicopter. Maybe you are, as my grandfather used to say, a convertible. That is what my grandfather, my grandfather was so unpolitically correct, but not in an offensive way, just in like an old person way. And so when we first started having like, you know, transgender or transsexual people, he would literally call them convertibles. He'd be like, oh, that's one of them convertibles. And I'd be like, granddad, I don't think you can say that. And he'd be like, what? But aren't they a convertible? You know, like a car that <laughs> I was like, granddad, you <laughs> anyway, if you are a convertible, if <laughs> you're very welcome in the coaching program, if you're gay, if you're bisexual, if you're straight, no one really gives a fuck at anything that people care about in, I guess, my community in general, but also my coaching is just, do you have goals? Do you want to work on them? Do you want to be a better person? Do you want to leave the world a tiny bit better than you found it? If so, fuck yes. We don't really give a shit about your race, your gender, your sexuality. No one really cares about that. We just want you to be the best that you can be and help support everyone else in the community to be the best that they can be. So you'd be very welcome. Links in the description to all of that shit. As always, ladies and gentlemen, go out there and crush those goals.